0: Good morning. Good morning. So glad that you are here. I am thrilled. I got to tell you, you blew away the over-under of the faithless people who predicted how many people would would uh, travel in this weather. So way to go. And if you're online, we're not calling you a wuss or a baby or anything like that. We're really glad that you're with us too. And you're snuggling and snug as a bug in a rug. Or what? I've never seen a bug in a rug. I don't know what that is, but uh, we are glad you're here. We are Summit Church. My name is Jim. If you're new here, We are a church that is going through a journey that we're calling our restoration journey, where God is reclaiming our history, where he's redeeming our pain, and he's restoring our future. Uh, So, man, you can find out a whole lot more about that on the website. Also, today is Growth Track 1, so if you're interested in learning more about Summit Church, who we are, how we're led, what our mission, vision, and values are, all that, that will take place immediately after the gathering upstairs, and you will be out at noon. So, as you heard there, take a Bible on your smartphone or a paper Bible or somewhere and get Ephesians chapter 1 in front of you. And I'm going to really want you to leave your Bible open to Ephesians 1 throughout our conversation. While you're looking for that and finding your way there, let me just thank you and give you a couple things. First of all, thank you for your generosity. Uh, Last Sunday, we did a dollar offering. It was Sanctity of Life Sunday, and we invited you to put a dollar towards a gift we could make to a, to a uh, Alternatives crest, uh, Pregnancy Center. So they do incredible work helping women who have found themselves with an unplanned pregnancy, giving counseling and direction and help. And uh, you gave $452 for that, which is clearly more than a dollar a person. And so really proud of you for that. Also, if you don't get this email, every Tuesday I send out an email to our church family with a, just a one idea for a next step in your spiritual formation. And um, if you don't get that, stop by the red tent in the lobby and tell them, I want to get that email, and they will, they will hook you up. Um, anyway, I mentioned in that email that our students were going to winter camp. Right now, our middle schoolers are at winter camp, and next weekend, our high schoolers will be at, middle, at uh, winter camp. And we have an influx of some uh, students that we really wanted to get to camp who just did not have the economic ability to do so. And so I invited uh, 11 people in that email, just whoever you are, we needed $1,200. I gave the first 100, let's get 11 people give. And we had uh, about $2,600 come in for camp scholarships. So way to go, thank you for that as well. And so uh, kids are at camp, students will be at camp this week and next week because of you and really, really grateful. Also, we have our restoration fund because of the crisis year that the church has gone through. We have some economic ground to make up, and so we're trying to raise $200,000 by the end of March. We're currently sitting somewhere right around the $60,000 mark of restoration giving above your tithes and offerings. Thank you for that. That is great progress. We got a long way to go, but we're going to get there together. So just thank you. Now, Uh, This series, we're, we're calling Made for More, and there is a work booklet that goes with it that's available to you in the lobby. If you have not gotten one of these, you need this. This is at a table right outside those doors. And it's also where you can sign up to participate in a community group during these six weeks. What we're inviting you to do is gather with a handful of people weekly for the next six weeks to talk through everything we're learning together in this series. I gotta tell you, this series that we're doing starting today is a landmark conversation for us. And it's going to become uh, really one of our flagship teaching series that we will help people who in the future become a part of Summit. We'll ask them to actually go through this on their own because of how significant it is in defining who we are as a community of faith and what it's like to follow Jesus, what it's like to, to thrive in your life. So um, you can sign up in the lobby we got 152 people signed up for community groups already we want more of you in on that and uh, if you're not comfortable walking into somebody's living room like if you if you're kind of like me I'm I I am an extrovert but I have weird introvert uh, quirks so it's really hard for me to show up at somebody's house I don't know and ring the doorbell um, and say I'm here uh, and if, if you can do that that is awesome If you can't, we have help for you. On Wednesday nights in this room, we will have tables set up and some groups will meet on Wednesday night in this room. I will facilitate that process. We'll have table leaders at each table. So if you just wanna come Wednesday nights at six, the coffee bar will be hot and going at six. We'll start in here at 6.30, we'll be done at 7.30, 7.45. And so uh, you can come here and meet some new people if you are new to the church family and want to make some relationships, there's no better way than this next six weeks to do this. Also, in this booklet are daily reading and reflections that'll take you maybe five minutes a day. And I'm asking you to do the daily reflections and reading that are right out of Ephesians as well uh, during that time. You'll be given with your booklet a little, a little collection of memory scripture memory cards uh, you can carry it in your pocket, as I'm doing right now. This is the memory verse for week one, uh, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, and you can carry that in your pocket. Here's what, I, here's what I have experienced. If you read that a couple times a day, at the end of the week, you've got it memorized. And there's nothing, I think, more powerful than planting God's word in our hearts. So uh, a lot going on, and we want you to be a part of it. Man, we hope you will dive in. Don't they say dive in with both feet, but you dive headfirst, whatever. Every once in a while, I'll have a phrase go through my head, and then I'm like, wait, what does that actually mean? Uh, I want to introduce you to my brother and sister-in-law. Pam and Jeff Gregory are visiting with us right now. They are career missionaries with the Assemblies of God and phenomenal people. Would you guys stand? I know you, I didn't tell you I was going to do this. Uh, they are world-class missionaries and doing a, great, a lot of great good for the world. Uh, and today is Jeff's birthday, so he is... Uh, He's cresting a hill today. You can ask him what hill that is, but he's cresting a hill today. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am for what we're about to do together over these six weeks, and particularly this morning with the conversation we need to have. The whole kind of sub-idea of this study is to move from discontentment by finding significance in your relationship with God. And here's what I know about a lot of church going people and some who've already checked out of church, some who are deconstructing their faith, who are not sure what they believe about God. I will tell you, for example, that a lot of men I know do not believe. I I, I don't talk to women about this as much. uh, I would say the majority of men that I know do not believe that prayer makes a difference. They have reached the place where they believe that God's going to do what God's going to do. And so it doesn't really matter if I pray. Maybe they've prayed about stuff, and it didn't change anything, and so they've gotten a little discouraged with that. I know that anxiety levels are high in the church and outside the church. I know that uh, battles with uh, depression are high in the church, outside of the church. I know that relationships are exploding at the same percentage rate outside the church as inside the church, and I have wonderful news for you, okay, okay? There is a relationship with God that has been made available to you that is a game-changing relationship through everything I just described. In fact, I would say that most people who are going through this honest journey of deconstructing the faith that they were taught as kids and trying to decide what's real and what's not, that what they're deconstructing actually isn't a biblical Christianity. It's a Christianity that is more cultural than biblical and they're frustrated with it. That's why a lot of Christians are frustrated. You've been given a faith that isn't uh, accurate, and so you've embraced on something. So here's the way I would say it. A lot of uh, people are Burger King Christians. Now, I love Burger King uh, a little too much. I avoid it now. Uh, my my Burger King jam is breakfast sandwiches, uh, sausage, egg, and cheese croissants hold the egg, uh, and they're crispy, little round tater. I mean, it's just good stuff. But Uh, Here's what I mean by Burger King Christian. You know, Burger King, uh, special orders don't upset us. Have it your way. There's a new catchy jingle, uh, BK, have it your way. If you're old enough to remember the TV commercials, uh, hold the pickle, the little song, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us, and have it your way. And a lot of people have tried to latch on to a Christianity that is designed around that. Hey, have it your way. What do you want to believe? What do you want to be true? What do you want God to be like? And you can have it your way. And a lot of people are looking for Burger King churches where they tell the pastor in the church, I've been a pastor for a long time. I've had lots of people insist that the church be what they want it to be, that they come here as consumers to consume and to receive things they want. And so it's our job to serve those meals exactly the way they want them Uh, for the particular needs of their life or their family or their preferences, their cultural taste, their music taste. Some of you, you might've said, man, that music's loud this morning. Others of you were like, turn that up. Uh, But when you start insisting that everything goes your way, you're, you're a Burger King. You're looking for a Burger King church. Special orders don't upset us. But here's the thing. A biblical church is a Home Depot church. That's where they say, you know, hey, you can do it. We can help. You can do it. We can help. So You know, uh, the scripture teaches that in Ephesians 4, we'll get there in this series, that the purpose of pastors, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, apostles, and prophets is to equip you for the work of the ministry in your life. And so here's here's what God would say, hey, you can do this and the church can help. Some churches even reverse the Home Depot thing and they say, hey, we can do this and you can help. So, you know, you show up and give us golf claps for the ministry we do, but the professionals will do all the ministry. You can just show up, be encouraged, and go home. That's backwards, too. Here's what God says. You can do this. You can do that parenting task. You can do that relationship. You can make it in your marriage. You can overcome the battles of your life. You can do it, and the faith community can help. And so this whole conversation is going to be about moving you if you battle with discontentment. Unashamedly, my goal is to move you from stagnant discontentment, disengagement to full engagement with God, and not because I need something from you, not because the church needs something from you, but because there's a life that God wants to give you. There's a life Jesus Christ shed his blood to give you that you're missing out on. And uh, you were made for more. You were made for more. So we're going to walk through six shifts in the way we see faith. One with each chapter of Ephesians. There are six chapters in Ephesians. Today we're going to make the shift from more effort to more Jesus. As I talk about, hey, you were made for more. There's more for you. There's more you can do. There's more. You're like, man, Uh, You're asking me to raise my effort. You're asking me to up my game. You're asking me to do more. No, no, this is the mystery. See, this is the sweet part. We're going to move from more effort to more Jesus. Because here's the thing I know for a fact. People who are deconstructing their faith, people who are struggling to know what to believe about God, still haven't learned everything there is to learn about Jesus, who he is, what he has done, what he wants to do in you. And so uh, there's a scripture that says, make every effort to enter into his rest. So yes, it's going to be more effort, but not effort to do more, to try harder, to perform better, but more effort to stop struggling and receive who Jesus is and what he has done in your life and what he wants to do in you and through you. Man, I'm telling you, this is just the best. So Ephesians 1. We're going to read a chapter each week, so it's a little longer reading than maybe typical in our church setting. But I believe you're up for it. I believe in you. Uh, Jingles and songs keep rolling through my head. Man, God wants to transform your life. And the roadmap to more is the book of Ephesians. Six shifts, we're going to make them today. Today more effort to more Jesus. Jesus is more. Man, he's more. So, uh, it is our practice to stand for the reading of God's word if you're willing and able to do so. Here we go, Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, And your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The Word of God, you could be seated. Keep your Bible open there or your phone open. If you also like in the church app, there are notes there. Everything I'm talking about is there. You could take notes in that app as well. Man, listen Jesus is more. And when our faith struggles, when we struggle, when we battle and despair and find discontentment and when we struggle to find our bearings, when we are believing that we are doomed to another failed relationship, when we believe that we are stuck and unchangeable, it's because we have lost sight of who Jesus is and what he has done. So, man, today, I just wanna encourage you to make a shift. From trying harder, from more effort, from gritting your teeth and working harder, from more effort to a whole lot more of Jesus. Jesus is transformational. He is alive and he has done some things for you. He wants to do some things in you and he wants to do some things through you. So that's what I wanna talk to you about here through Ephesians 1. Jesus is more for you. Jesus is more in you and Jesus is more through you, okay? So let's talk about what Jesus is more for you. Jesus has done some things for you that you had no participation in. You did not participate, you did not seek it, you did not ask for it. Uh, He has done some things for you. They are finished, they're done. This is why uh, every religion in the world stands different than Christianity because every religion in the world, pick one, They teach about the same thing. You need to try really hard to please God. And you need your good deeds to outweigh your bad deeds. And at the end of your life, there will be an equation. And if you net it in the black on that spreadsheet of your behaviors, then God's going to forgive you and you'll be okay to go into heaven. This is what life's about, to, to do good things and have your good things outweigh your bad. It's a do faith. But Christianity stands alone. It is a done faith what Jesus has done for you. You don't deserve it. You didn't ask for it. It's not based on any merit of your own life. Jesus himself, the incarnate God, came to do something for you. In fact, many things, and we're gonna look at them right here, that he has finished for you. His last words on the cross, it is finished. That's one Greek word. I took enough Greek in college to be dangerous. You know, C's get degrees. And uh, I got about a C in Greek. And, uh, but that word, that word, it is finished is one Greek word, tetelestai. It literally means paid in full. Paid in full. This was done for you. So watch this. We're starting there at verse three. I'm just going to, I underlined a bunch of things in my Bible. You should underline them in yours. Uh, He has blessed us. Check this out. He has blessed us. This is verse three. In the heavenly realms, with every, not some, most, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Everything God has accomplished, every blessing he has created, every power of God in the heavenlies has been given to you. It has been done for you, and he has blessed us. With every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I'm just gonna pause here for a second. One thing I do when I'm battling discouragement on my own, I'm a pretty optimistic person. It doesn't happen to me a lot, but there are times I've had a couple of bouts of depression in my life, a couple of times where I just can't seem to shake the funky blues. And I go right here to Ephesians 1 and I put my name in this whole passage starting in verse 3. So, like the praise the God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed Jim in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ for he chose Jim in him before the foundation of the world. You just put your name in there and I'm telling you by the end of reading that chapter, you'll be back to reality because what you see is not reality. Reality is what has been done for you in Christ. This is more real than the chair you're sitting in or the TV you're watching if you're online. This is real. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Look at the list. He chose us in him before the creation of the world. He chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless in his sight. That means that you being seen as holy and blameless in the eyes of God is not dependent on what you do. It is dependent on what Jesus has done for you. You respond to that of course by keeping by doing works that keep with repentance. God wants you to live stop living in the pit of stupidity when I have delivered you. So there's a lot that can go on in your life, but you don't get holy and blameless because you actually are holy and blameless. You get holy and blameless in his sight. Because he gave it to you. He accomplished it for you. It is given to you. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to hope for it. You don't have to get on your knees and beg for it. It's done for you. It's an amazing thing. You were predestined for adoption. Man, if you ever want to get on a rabbit trail, uh, as, as Andrew calls it, if you want to nerd out on something, nerd out on Roman adoption. It's amazing, that's the context this was written in, what adoption was like. You were adopted, it is illegal for you to be unadopted. Once you're adopted in that system, it is against the law for you to be unadopted. It is a permanent thing. In fact, people would adopt their kids into a wealthy family because they couldn't provide for their kids, so they would just adopt their kids out. And that kid now has, they are legally this person's name, their previous family does not exist. And they have all the rights and privileges of that family because of this adoption and it can never be changed. I'm just telling you, it's a deep well of what Jesus has done for you. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us. In him we have, notice that language, we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. We have it. We have it. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to prove that your remorse is genuine. You have redemption, the forgiveness of your sins in Jesus by his grace, which he lavished upon us. When you keep working for something that God already freely gave you, it's no wonder that you get confused about your relationship with God. You're trying to earn something that was gifted to you. Now, instead of having profound, jaw-dropping gratitude at the one who gave it to you, you are trying hard to impress him, to beg him, to uh, twist his arm, to give you something you already have in Christ, by his grace. Not by your works, by his grace that he lavished upon you what Jesus has done for you. Uh, listen to this, just a couple of more. We, with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will. That is, he has revealed himself to us. This is what God has done for you. I wrote down Matthew 11:28 28 to 30 in my Bible here in pencil because I wrote it down in a, uh, in a uh, version of the Bible called the message. I'm a, I don't even want to start the fight. Uh, the message is not a translation. Eugene Peterson took the Bible and rewrote it in his own words. It's not a word-for-word translation, but it, is, it has some real color and beauty to it. And here's how he worded Matthew 11:20. This is Jesus speaking to us. Here's what he says. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that sentence. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Why? Because Jesus has done so much for you that you did not ask for, you weren't even aware. He did it for you before you would even know who he is, that God was real, done for you. Jesus is more. Listen, you don't have to strive and beg and fight and claw and wonder and worry and wring your hands about what God thinks about you. Jesus has demonstrated his love for you. You can trust a man who says, I love you this much, and is nailed to a cross for you. You can trust a man who will nail himself to a cross for your redemption. You can trust him. You do not have to persuade him to love you. He already gave it all for you. Man, if we could rest in what Jesus has done for us. Done, complete, it's incredible. Then he shifts to what Jesus has done in us by giving us the Holy Spirit. This is down here at verse, Uh, I can't see these tiny little numbers. How about verse 13? When you believed, when you became aware that Jesus has done all this for you, when the light came on and your heart said, what? God is real? He loves me? He has redeemed me? He has forgiven me? I'm not sure I would forgive me. I'm kind of a turd. I I don't deserve that. When the light comes on and your heart comes alive, something happens supernatural happens. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, like stamping you with a seal, which is the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, a down payment, guaranteeing your inheritance. Jesus has now done something. He did a whole lot for you. Now he's done something in you. When you confess Allegiance to Christ, when you give your life to him because of what he has done for you and you receive him, a miracle happens. It's so miraculous that the New Testament describes it with the language of being born all over again, like it's transformational. And the Holy Spirit is put into your life as a down payment, a guarantee. It's like you're sealed with a mark. He marks your life with his own name. And he puts his Holy Spirit in you as a down payment, just a down payment. Wait till you see what, you know, wait till I get going, God is saying. He seals you with this promise, guaranteeing your inheritance at the end. Guaranteeing it. Now look at what the Holy Spirit does. Uh, he reveals to us the mystery of his will. But then we go forward from verse 16 down. It says, I keep asking. Oh, here's, I have not stopped giving thanks to you. Remember your prayers. Here's what I ask. That the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit. Talking about now this down payment, this seal we have. I'm running out of breath because I'm so excited. I I don't like preachers yelling at me, so if I'm yelling at you and you're like, dude, tone it down. I'll tone it down later, I promise. This is not normal for me to yell like this, but I am so excited. Starving. Paul said it this way I am in the pains of childbirth till Christ be formed in you. I want you to have this so bad. So he says, I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So Jesus has done all these things for you. Now, when the light comes on and you proclaim faith in him, he does a thing in you. He puts his Holy Spirit in you, and he is the spirit of wisdom, and revelation. Man, do we ever need that in our life. Why? So that you can know him better. Why do I need to know him better? Because Jesus is more. Jesus is everything. Jesus is our entire deliverance and future and hope and present. He's everything. And so he gives us, in us, deposits into us his Holy Spirit And he's a spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's going to give us wisdom. So when you think, when you start to believe the lies in your head, because almost all of our self-talk is negative, and all the uh, talk of the culture is negative, and all the whispers of the enemy are negative, just to beat you down, beat you down, beat you down, beat you down. And when you're trying to figure out what's real, when you're having another relationship explode and you're wondering, man, why does this keep happening? Jesus gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can have wisdom in your normal life and you can have revelation about who God is so that you can live with him, live out the transformation that he's already done for you so he moves in you by his Holy Spirit. Just check out this prayer. It's one of my favorite prayers in the Bible. Again, if you're ever battling discouragement, Do a little Google search on prayers in the New Testament and just go read these prayers. They'll blow your mind at how, you know, they pray just so differently than you and I do. Lord, bless me, help me, fix me. These are way deeper than that and way more powerful. I pray that he'll give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you might know the hope to which he has called you. This is an inside job. This is the Holy Spirit doing an inside job on you. That you might know the riches of his inheritance in his holy people, and that you might know his incomparably great power toward us who believe. Listen, there is a power in heaven. You've already been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places by Jesus himself, done for you. And now there's a power of God that can be exerted in your life from the inside out by the spirit of wisdom and revelation where you will now receive from God power. What kind of power? He says it's the same power that God exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead. How about this? You need some power in your life? How about this? The power that will take a dead body, three days dead, and start the brain to have synapses and lungs filled with air, and he resurrects a dead body. If that's not enough power for you, I don't know how deep your needs are, but this is everything you're going to need. And he gives it to us. He gives us, by the spirit of wisdom and revelation, our connection to that kind of power. Can I tell you, you are not defeated. Death and and defeat are not your destiny. Jesus has done so much for you and now he puts the Holy Spirit in you so that you can fight in that daily life with that discouragement and despair and anxiety and worry and fear. And you can instead say, Holy Spirit, teach me, which he will take you right back to these kinds of things in the scripture. And the same power that God put into the dead body of Jesus will be put into you to resurrect your heart and your soul and to keep you seeing the truth. If you're a Christian and you are discontented and discouraged, By definition, you don't know what Jesus has done for you, and you're not engaged with what he's doing in you. It's like you've missed that part. Because when you see this and you live with this, discontentment flies away. Last thing, he is more through you. And this gets us to our memory verse. At the end of the chapter, verse 22 and 23, God placed all things under his feet, Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. You are the church, we are the church, which is his body, listen to this, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Watch this. Jesus already fills everything in every way. Man, uh, I was talking uh, every Sunday. I have a couple of pastors that I pray with typically on Sundays. One of them is Doug Miller down in Castle Rock for, I don't know, 15 years. We are on the phone every Sunday morning praying for each other. And I asked him, Hey, are you going to do uh, any kind of teaching during the election cycle? Because I watch how Christians lose their biscuits during an election cycle, and it makes no sense. It just, it just makes no sense. And, uh, I just want you to know, Jesus fills everything in every way. Everything this country needs, Jesus has. Everything you need when you live in a country that's lost its mind, Jesus has. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to panic. You don't need to certainly fight with each other and call each other names. You don't need to do any of that. Why? Because you can do this. Cross your feet, put your hand behind your head and go, Jesus fills everything in every way. I don't need to panic. Now, it's possible that Jesus has some plans for our country that might not be all that pleasant for a while. That's okay, because he's bigger. Listen, he's bigger than our country. He's bigger than cancer. He's bigger than divorce. He's bigger than addictions in your adult children or in your life. Jesus is bigger than all of it because he fills everything in every way holy cow and we're his body so how does he want to fill everything in every way right now with us this is what's cool about the people of God we're everywhere we're everywhere you might find yourself in some places you don't want to be because life drove you there but Jesus needs his body there Anytime you ever look at something in the world, and you go, somebody ought to do something about that. That's the Holy Spirit saying, you ought to do something about that because I want to do something about that and you're my body, you're my hands, you're my feet. So let's do it together. God has already, we are huge on the oikos principle here. It's a term in the New Testament that means extended household. God is already at work everywhere around you. And now through him and him in you, He wants to work through you so that people who don't know about Jesus, who can't physically see Jesus, will have his hands and his feet touch their lives through you. So here's what I know. Okay, I know this like I know my own name. When you know and understand what Jesus has done for you and you receive what Jesus is in you, And you embrace that your life has a purpose bigger than your own pleasure or comfort or success. It's a a destiny of significance. It's a destiny of knowing the almighty God, being filled with his presence and power and living with him and for him in your life. When you latch on to the significance of your life, it changes everything. Everything. I know this because I have lived this. I know this because uh, Jesus has overcome all of my insecurities and my doubts and my uh, slavery. Man, Jesus is more. So here's what I want to do I want to pray for you in this moment. And then Karis is going to lead us in a song that I want you to sing. It's a, it's a song about all that he is and has done. And then I'm gonna come back and I want you to stick around and I'm gonna give you a blessing right out. I'm gonna give you your response, okay? I've got four. Normally you just have two responses. I got a list. So I'm gonna come back and give you that. it just take me two minutes, okay? But I want you right now, I want you to just let me pray over you. Maybe put your hands in a receptive posture in your lap and just receive from God uh, all that he is and all that he has done and all that he wants to be in you. And then we're gonna sing. Man, reflect on that and sing. And then I'm gonna come right back and I'm gonna give you your response steps and a blessing. And then we'll be done. Let me pray for you. Lord, we are in your presence and we thank you for all that Jesus has done for us. Finished, completed, done. I pray in the name of Jesus that all of us online or in this room would have our hearts warmed, that our soul would respond to the fact that you have decided that we are holy and blameless in your sight because you have forgiven our sin and redeemed us back to the Father. All as a work of your grace, you have raised us from the dead. I pray, God, that we would celebrate all that you've done for us. I pray also, Holy Spirit, that you will confirm who you are in us. So we pray, come, Holy Spirit, and fill us this day that we might glorify Jesus. And, Father, we ask you to help us to understand what you want to do through us with these people you have put in our lives and the mission you have called us to. We lay our lives at your feet. And we thank you that you love us, that you have redeemed us, that you have nailed our condemnation to the cross. And you have bestowed your you've lavished your grace upon us. Thank you, Jesus. We ask all of that in your powerful name. Now help us to worship and celebrate you. And we give thanks in Christ's name. Amen.